Welcome, Secrets of Success listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today we're going to do a solo show, but before we get into today's topic, which is health and wellness, in all the latest research, we just released our brand new stress indicator and health planner. And what I'm going to take you through today is just some breakthrough research, but also some previous research just to affirm says, listen, are you living an optimum health and wellness in your life? And if you're not, then you can do something about it. Before we get into that, though, I just want to thank you as the host. Now we're 150 or so shows is thank you as the host for being a listener, for passing it on. Let other people know. If you haven't already done so, can you subscribe in whatever platform you're listening to? Uh, Leave a positive review or comment. That's very much appreciated. The other one is we want to hear from you, the listeners. Just the other day, I got an email from one of the listeners from Africa. I said, listen, I've been listening to every show you've had for the last two years. But of course, I had no idea. And our platforms don't reveal who's listening to what show. So it's always great to hear back from you. We thank you for your participation. So let's just get right into it for you today, but also one of our expertise. If some of you who are listening for the very first time, I have a diploma in nutrition genetics. My MBA is in international business and my PhD is in management and leadership. So I have a real passion around health and wellness. Now, recently, I really didn't do all that well around the Christmas time here in North America where I ate poorly gained some weight, and I broke all the rules that I'm talking to you about here today. So I actually need this show as much as anybody. So I'm going to listen to this SOS so that I can get my life back in order. So a little haha as far as getting going. So when we think about health and wellness, I just want to encourage, I suspect that just about everybody listening can improve their wellness, their health, lower their stress, whatever it is, at some level or another. Uh, None of us have it all together. So hopefully, we'll have something in the show that will apply to any of you. So first of all, let's just look at some of the stats. So I do a webinar called Why Don't You Are Dying to Live, you know, breakthrough strategies for um, wellness as well as reducing stress. So I'm covering part of that webinar in this session. And if you ever want to have this session at an event or streamed in or live, then that's an option that's there for you as well. But let's just go through some of the stats before I get into our brand new version five stress indicator and health planner, which is our longest assessment that CRG produces, which is 120 questions. And we're going to go through some of the new stuff that's included in the assessment. So first of all, the World Health Organization, as well as some other colleagues have done some research, is what percentage of our illness, you know, not that you ran into a brick wall and broke your arm, but of illness is lifestyle and related and preventable. Well, the World Health Organization, so that's 90 to 95%. So the reality is there are many times people use an excuse that it's just my genetics, it's just my background. Well, that that doesn't apply to The majority of us, the majority of it is we've made some choices. Our environment is highly influencing how we feel, our stress levels, all those different components is part of it. There was a thing that basically uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, created called, you know, manipulating uh, our genetics, which is epigenetics. And for years, doctors thought you couldn't change the brain, you couldn't change the DNA. Dr. Carolyn Leaf talks about this as well, where actually your thoughts 
your environment, your lifestyle are adjusting how your DNA responds. So some individuals, you say, well, I have a tendency towards cancer. My family had it. Well, that doesn't mean anything for 95% of you. And yes, it can get you thinking about it. In fact, what you focus on most can come about. And there are some individuals who are ill a lot, but here's the reality is you don't need to be. You, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, very rarely do I get the, a flu or a cold. And here's why. I refuse to participate as well as taking care of my micronutrients in, in diet for the most part, you know, except for gaining this extra chocolate cake and cookies weight from Christmas. Man, that was terrible. But anyways, enough about my whining on that, what for you. The other one is, is what percentage of the population is stressed? Well, it depends on what country and where you're at, but it's solidly 50 to 80% of individuals are mildly to severely stressed. And in fact, some individuals said that, you know, the number one stress factor is their work. Uh, in China, there was a study done that said the most stressed workers in the world are in Beijing and in Shanghai. So, hey, that's something that we, and so why is that? Well, there's just so the enormous amount of pressure to be successful in business and life. The global economy has slowed down for them a little bit, as well as manufacturing is going downstream into other countries where it's less expensive than there. So a lot of pressure that comes into it. Now, the U.S. Department of Labor, now I know there's people listening all around the world. The U.S. Department of Labor said, what does stress cost the workforce? Well, it costs the workforce 7500 U.S. per employee per year in lost workday and healthcare costs. The UK said that stress-related illnesses cost 10% of the gross domestic product. And Australia was talking several billion dollars, as well as the US um, Department of Labor also had said, well, how many work days are lost because of lifestyle, illness, alcoholism, all these kinds of things. And it was 500 million lost work days. Well, Obviously, there's an opportunity to improve. And so if I have a question for you, if you're listening to this show and you want to be better, you want to have a breakthrough in your health and wellness, and hopefully we'll give you some things here in the next 20 or 25 minutes or so that you can transform your life with. But first of all, before we get into the specific strategies, my question is, is what's in it for you? If you aren't clear about why you will change your behavior, the likelihood of you doing it are pretty well slim to none. It's not going to happen. So my question to you is that, you know, if you were to change and improve your behavior as far as your health and wellness elements, what's in it for you? What would you benefit? What would you be able to do that you can't do now? We've seen all the TV shows where individuals who can't even get around to throw a ball for their kids you know, loses a bunch of weight, gets in better shape, feels more healthy and vibrant, and all of a sudden they can play with their kids. And that was the motivation for them. Or as a friend of mine, his doctor says, listen, you have to lose 70 to 100 pounds or you're going to be dead and you're not going to be here for your family at all. Another thing, I was just uh, listening to um, another talk show by Dr. Don Colbert. And Don was talking about, you know, what is the issue in, in terms of longevity and we get into the developed world, and one of the number one issues is mobility as you get older and vitality. And so you don't actually have to be old when you're old. What we mean by that, you don't, the ability to get around and to be vibrant 
is really lifestyle related has nothing to do with the fact that you're 70 years old. There's seven year olds that are hiking Kilimanjaro, but most can't even get down two or three steps because they really don't have the mobility. So we want to be vibrant right to the end of our life. We want quality of life. So a a year and a half ago, my uh, stepfather-in-law passed away from dementia and he was in residential care. And I'll tell you, if residential care isn't a motivator to take care of your health, nothing is. It's just, this is a situation that's sad where people are just waiting to die. There's no life there anymore. It's just waiting to die. Now, die. And these are loved ones. These are things that people care about or people that they care about. Pardon me. And yet, what we did way back in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, is affecting us now. So you know what? There's lots of things that contribute to our stress level. One of the things that contributes to stress is a lack of clarity in your life. Now, you know, CRG, we're known for that we're, we're one of the number one organizations in the world around helping people in their self-awareness, if not the number one. And in that area, we talk about your personality or personal style. You get clear about your values. So the research showed that individuals who are clear about their values are less stressed. There was a study done by UCLA. And so that your cortisol levels go down because you're not confused. So confusion brings uncertainty. Uncertainty brings stress. And so part of your responsibility, if you're going to lower your stress, is get clear about who you are, get clear about your direction, and get clear about things like your values, your personal style, or other people call personality. Make sure you deal with your self-worth levels so that you feel good about yourselves. Because a lot of times, depression comes from Uh, thinking the wrong way. And so your actions really have come from, and your behaviors are really, their roots are how you thought, what you've thought about. You're thinking every moment of every day that you're awake, you're thinking about something. You are thinking about something right now as you listen to this podcast. And so what are you thinking about? Is it positive or is it negative? So when we were looking at redoing the stress indicator and health planner, we have five different sections that are in it. And we talk about distress, interpersonal stress. We talk about lifestyle and nutrition and wellness. And then we talk about time stress and occupational stress. So I'm just going to briefly mention four out of the five today, but I'm mostly going to look at nutrition and lifestyle. And I want to be as uncontroversial as possible for you so that we're talking about optimum health. You know what? If you disagree with some of the new recommendations that are out, uh, that's fine. But we're looking at how can you optimize your health? You know, one of the, I read about 30 minutes to an hour or listen to a podcast or a video of some sort in health and wellness nearly every day of every year for the last decade. And so hundreds and hundreds of hours of consuming. And you know what? There's controversy. There are differences. However, There's also some baseline principles that we want to look at. So if you do want to take the assessment for yourself, you know, go to crgleader.com and then look up the stress indicator and health planner, and it will be one of the best investments in your life because in just a, in a few minutes, you'll be able to be framed out about what your stress level is, your distress. And then what the one thing that people really enjoy is that we compartmentalize certain stress areas. So if it's relationship-based, if it's lifestyle-based, if it's time-based, if it's occupational-based, we separate that all out for you so that you can go to the next level. So when we think about distress, 
stress actually shows up in all kinds of different ways, but we think about physical, uh, biological, psychological, so or, or behavioral, I mean. And what we mean by that is that if you're not sleeping, if you're anxious, if you um, are gaining weight, losing weight, uh, anxious, irritable, angry easily, I mean, so you're just kind of like stepping on a nerve there or withdrawn, even suicidal, all these things are talking about stress levels. So we're not going to go into that because that's going to be very personable for you. But what we do is we benchmark you and say, you know what, we need to pay attention to the clues. If you're not feeling energized for the most part, if you're not alive and vibrant for the most part, then that means that there is some kind of stress, some kind of lack of clarity. Now, I'm going to really cause a controversy here a little bit right now. And that is in, in the 80s, I was the I was diagnosed as manic depressive and put on antidepressants. Well, the antidepressants, within a week, I was ready to kill somebody. I, it was so foreign to my body. It wasn't working. It wasn't helping. But I talked to my friend who's a psychologist out of Dallas, and I was chatting with Sharon, and she said, you know, Ken, you don't have you, – you are not depressed. There's something else that's going on. So really, uh, at my insistence – not the doctors didn't do this. The medical community was not doing this. At my insistence, I did a glucose tolerance test and discovered that I was hypoglycemic, not manic depressive. And so my mood swings were going up and down because of all the sugar in my system. And I was trying to self-medicate to get my moods up by using Coke. And so, you know, a gallon of it a day or four liters, whatever it was, some ridiculous number. No wonder my system was completely fried. And so I cut that sugar out, and in my, for the most part, my hypoglycemia has been managed. But I know that once in a while, even now, if I get in a place where my blood sugar goes down, there is nothing I can do. I've got to go have a nap for 15 minutes to kind of get back up. So my point being is that a lot of our lifestyle is influencing how we feel about ourselves. And a lot of depression is based on what we eat, how we eat, our movement, uh, now, one of the individuals on my podcast, Tal, who is one of the number one experts in happiness in the world, in a recent blog, he said that exercise has more positive effect on depression than any antidepressant period. Now, I'm not saying that everybody listening who is on them should quit because you need to wean your body off that if you're going to shift. But the reality is, is that antidepressants long term, if you look at the research, two and three and four years out actually become less effective and of all things can cause you to be suicidal. And I said, what, how does that work? So managing our mindset, managing our thinking. Now, our, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, now I don't know why I got into this rant about depression, but I know that it's been coming up. And in fact, suicides for people under 30 have never been higher in North America. It's a sad state of affairs. It just really shouldn't be that way. But Dr. Carolyn Leaf, her work is she doesn't believe in depression as we talk about it in, in society today, that it is a thinking issue. It is not a brain issue. Yes, I believe that nutritionally we need to balance. We need to have all those things in place. And so there are some biochemicals that are out of sync. Even Dr. Amen's work with his brain scans most of the work that he does will be around natural strategies 
to, he calls it ants, you know, get rid of not accepting negative thoughts. I mean, getting rid of them straight away, stomping them out. But one of the things he really looks at is how can we use natural strategies, environment, nutrition, supplements to be able to change how my brain is functioning. So my encouragement is, is that if you're kind of feeling down, if you're lethargic, then it, you have in front of you all the information and the research on, in the world to be able to deal with it. And I really, really caution against how we have used meds as our answer when really we need to take personal responsibility for our lifestyle as we go forward. So let's just kind of jump into a couple of things. When we think about interpersonal stress and you want to improve your life, is that we can have individuals in our life who are draining. You know, I've talked about this in different shows. I have it in my Quest book, is that our life will reflect our five closest friends. Well, if you have somebody who is really a brain-sucking, energy-sucking, negative individual, then you need to limit your time with them or somehow kind of mitigate it. Or, or why would you want to hang around that person? You need to be around and have clients and and be in an organization or a work environment where you feel encouraged for the most part. Hey, there's always going to be blips. Nothing's perfect. But can you have the majority of what's going on where they're positive? Do you have friends that are encouraging to you? The other one is to stop, you know, when we think about interpersonal, is are you taking responsibility for managing your own behaviors? Now, I'm really going to cause some controversy here, is that there are so many people in the world that are offended. I believe that people are easily offended are emotionally immature. Now, I'm not saying that what people do is okay, but if we were to run our lives now by every single person who is offended, in other words, I would change my behavior, what I do, what I don't do. You would change what you do, what you don't do based on what everybody else says when nobody would ever do anything. And so this whole idea that you need to think exactly like me, there's many people that don't think like me. And that's great. That's awesome. You should have that. But this idea that because you are offended based on what I'm saying, I need to stop being who I am, I don't agree with that at all. And so this idea of you're going to have people that are offended, not worrying what other people think. You know, it's interesting. I was watching a social media video. And it says, In today's society, if you're worried about what everybody else thinks, and I know there's certain cultures where that's important, right, is that you need to be loved by everybody or even some of the depression we're talking about interpersonal It's coming from the fact that you didn't get enough likes or views of your video on Facebook live or YouTube or wherever it was, is that is 100% dysfunctional. You need to release that, that every single person that's listening to this podcast has value, has meaning. Now I have a faith base to that, but you have an intrinsic value as a human being, being period. And validation from others is nice, but it's not required to be, Uh, fulfilled. It's not required so that you can feel quote unquote happy or feel joy. One of the other ones there. Now, many cases, joy is a choice. Happiness is happenings. We can get into a different debate there. So when we think about interpersonal, pay attention. Are you short? Are you, do you kind of have a temper? Do you withdraw? Are you uh, disinterested in individuals? Are there some relationships in life that are stressing you out for whatever reason? So how can you reduce that? How can you improve that? What are some steps? Now, in the Stress Indicator and Health Planner, we have some strategies in terms of communication skills, how to manage yourself, how to work better. Now, sometimes the number one stressor in your life is you in terms of how you respond. 
Now, I remember uh, another speaker talking about many individuals. He says, listen, if you practice anger at inanimate objects like your TV or your computer or your car and you kick your car because it won't start, how's kicking your car going to start your car? It's not. But now you're practicing an angry response to an event and you're increasing your blood pressure. Now, many of you have heard me talk about Dr. John Gottman, which you know I, I hold in high esteem. He is a researcher out of Seattle, Washington, United States. And what Dr. Gottman confirmed was, is when our heartbeat goes over 100 beats per minute, we are no longer rational, meaning we can't have really a conversation where I manage myself. So we always have a choice of how we respond. Somebody says, well, well, you made me angry. No, no, nobody made you angry. You know, Dr. David Burns proved that in his book, Feeling Good, is nobody makes you angry unless you let them. But that's stressing you. So if you're the person that's getting road rage, if you're getting upset, we call it suspending in our model, where I'm not saying that what you did was okay. But if I let whatever you say, take me out, make me, let me be angry or have this emotional trigger, that I'm going to suggest to you, you are emotionally immature. I'm sorry, ouch, hurts, and I need it too, by the way. So I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to say, ow, that hurt, Ken. As far as being emotionally mature is that are you in control of your emotions? Are you in charge of them? I'm not saying you don't have emotions. I mean that they're not in charge of you. Where What of your emotions where you haven't been in charge of them cost you in terms of your relationship? Are you difficult to deal with? Are you an angry, kind of spiteful individual? Are you judgmental towards others? Do people even like you? Or are you hanging around some people that are like that, that are kind of a bully towards you? Hey, stand up for yourself. Be in that space. Don't take that. Now, I'm not talking about not being offended. I'm talking about in that where, where you set up boundaries for yourself. If we're playing the victim and we're always saying yes to somebody else, but we're not saying no, you know, our ability to say yes and no is equally important to be able to be successful in life. So some individuals, based on your personal style, you've been saying yes when you wanted to say no. So are there some boundaries? Do you need to have some time for yourself? The ability to give you some free time so that you can reflect and think about what's most important to you. So you have this space. And I don't mean about being on your media feed. I mean, quiet time where you're just maybe walking. You're not uh, listening to anything. You're just really listening and reflecting to your own thoughts. Or the other one, of course, is just breathing exercises and time out. But we'll get to that in a moment. No, when we start thinking about, we're going to transition out of interpersonal. So again, you want to learn more, you can go and even get our uh, free uh, sample report. But the stress indicator and health planner, you can go online and complete it. So when we think about the wellness component of the assessment. We talk about nutrition and we talk about lifestyle. And I'm just going to go into some of the highlights that we've changed here. Now, in North America, now this also applies to the UK. So Canada, US, Mexico, UK, Australia, and a little bit in New Zealand. And in the other parts of the world, you're all catching up to be as unhealthy as us if you're, you're gravitating to the Western diet. So 75% of North Americans are overweight or obese. Now, 40% of Asians are overbeast or overweight. So this is really happening. There was a study done said, what, what is the cost of sugar in our diets right now? And it's $5 trillion. I got that from Jonathan Baylor, New York Times bestseller, of uh, calories, or don't cut your calories, or the calorie myth is what it's called. 
So when we think about uh, the environment, it's spreading, it's, it's permeating everywhere. The other thing that happens is that toxins in our environment are really disrupting our whole system as well. So when we think about our, you know, what we're eating, you know, most people remember when they're growing up, if they're older, about what was possible. So we talk about the majority of your diet should be plant-based and mostly in the greens if, if possible, and that's eight to 12 servings, if, if at all possible. When we think about from there, you wanna make sure that you have your right proteins. Now, some of you that are listening to this are vegans, that's fine, we respect that, but make sure that you're getting your B12 and your um, other vitamins like iron, which aren't necessarily in every uh, plant-based diet, so you have to make sure your supplements are balanced out as part of that uh, process. You know, when we think from there, do we have some nuts? Because we want to limit our carbs. Now, there's a real debate over, you know, the keto diet. And do I, the keto is not something that you want to be on forever. However, it does work for some where you lower your carbs to, you know, below 50, in some cases below 30. And in some cases, if you are insulin resistant, and I'll talk about that in a second, really high, then you got to get down below 20 net carbs per day to be able to put yourself into ketosis. Now, there, I remember having a debate with somebody else. Oh, this is going to kill you. No, no, hang on. This is just for a short period of time. Get yourself into uh, the weight and the health level that you want to be in. So if you want to lose 10 or 20, 30 or 40 pounds, then ketosis is one of the ways to do it. Now, after you're at your target weight, then you introduce carbs to a point where you call your tipping point, where you'll know for your body, once you've done all of this, the amount of grams of carb per day that you can consume without starting to gain weight again. And for most people, that's going to be between 50 and 100. And so, you know, that's not a lot because if you have one big handful of uh, potato chips, there's going to be 30 grams of carbs in one of those bowls. And then most of you have a bag, so you just add a couple hundred. And so no wonder our system is kind of clogged up and it's not operating properly. We want to make sure that we have just enough protein. So I, in the stress indicator and health planner, I go through what those numbers are. I won't do it in this podcast, but making sure that we have that 20 to 30 grams per uh, serving and we have three or four of those in a day so that we have uh, the right amount of protein in our system. And by the way, protein doesn't always have to be from animal sources, contrary to what most people believe. A lot of the greens that are out there will have a high level of protein in them and then beans will have it, but beans also has carbs, so you have to be kind of careful about that. The other one is we do uh, teach that you want to limit or avoid or cut out gluten. And you know, when Dr. Tom O'Brien was on our show, he was really talking about how gluten breaks and goes through the blood-brain barrier and is, contributes to this inflammation situation that we have. Uh, and that's why a lot of people are ill and not feeling 100% in you know, gaining weight and can't do anything about it is they have inflammation in their system. And a lot of that can come from a for sure. We want to cut out all the sugars uh, that we possibly can, can, including things like apple juice or orange juice or pineapple juice. Those are, That's concentrated juice without any kind of fiber. Now, maybe you can have a little slice of pineapple or you can have an apple. That's fine. 
once you've kind of get into the right weight. But longer term, you don't want to be consuming a big glass of orange juice to get the morning going. I mean, that is just a sugar rush, just like anything else. So all the cookies, you know, the, the fast foods, the processed foods. Now, one of the things for me growing up on a dairy farm, and we have we had a lot of um, meat that was available, but it wasn't processed. But now that I'm not on the farm, then really one of the things that comes into play there is that really cutting out processed meats because of, you have nitrates, you have some other additives that are in there, or you get organic, or you get ones that don't have the additives added into the processed meat side of things, because that is going to be affecting your lifestyle as well. Now, there are some uh, experts that I listen to who are vegans, and so they really would be contrary to that whole process is there. Now, there are some controversy here because many of you that are vegans will be loving soy, but be very careful about soybeans because now you're talking about canola and soil, which has uh, Roundup Ready, and Roundup Ready can uh, result in toxins. Now, here's the other side that's really affecting. Why is it that we have so many people gaining so much weight, and then we have sort of um, a lot of, you know, six months old that are, that are heavy and, you know, it's not that they're not working out. And part of that is, is toxicity in the environment. There was a study done just a, three, four months ago in Canada and every single cereal in the country had trace amounts of glass phosphate, which is the source chemical for Roundup. Now, when I was working in agriculture way back in the 80s, so, you know, almost 40 years ago, I sold Roundup and I was told by Monsanto that this would break down in the environment, that it was biodegradable. But here's the reality. It's not. And especially when you have uh, GMO crops that are sprayed prior to harvesting, the residual of that spray is now in that product. And so you really want to stay away from that. So be as organic as possible. You want to make sure that you're also drinking uh, fluids and water uh, and stay away from these caffeinated drinks. I mean, yes, it's great to have a Red Bull every once in a while, but whoa, you talk about like just pushing your system to the next level. Another thing that's really, so you have, you have vegetables, number one, you have some of your protein sources that you can have there, just moderate amounts of those. You can think about some fruits, but you know, stay very limited on things like grapes and pineapples. And then you can think about apples that are, that are good for you. Though, if you're trying to lose weight, then you got to be careful with that you know, until you get into your primary uh, weight area there. Uh, there's really no uh, re- hindrance around eggs or dairy. Contrary to belief, butter is good for you. And this idea that, you know, margin is like three or four things away from plastic as far as its molecule makeup. So, again, I would stay away from uh, that kind of man-made product. I would stay with something that's more natural. Now, if you're not uh, a dairy person, that's fine. And then some of you are dairy or lactose intolerant. So you can look at goats or you can look at almond milk. You can look at some of those things that are possible for you. And then finally... What I would say around the nutrition side, and if you want to learn more, you know, get the new assessment, is just be aware of your nutritional sort of load because we have way more, you know, the omega-3, omega-6 ratio really should be 3 to 1, 4 to 1, maybe even 1 to 1, but in some cases, 25 to 1. And so we just be aware of that, try to balance that out, and we just have way too much omega-6 in our system and just not enough omega-3 for the most part. And then the other one is just be really aware of any 
processed foods that have fructose corn syrup in it because it really doesn't allow, doesn't break down in your system the way that you could or you you should. Now, when we think about wellness, I just want to encourage that when we think about wellness is that we've all heard, regardless of the level, that activity is important to, we're, we were made to move. And if you're not moving, if you're sitting at a desk and I'm, you know, I'm doing a podcast while I'm standing and sitting, uh, but I have a standing desk. And so the most case I'm standing, but if you're sitting most of the day at your desk, then you need to get out and walk. So that old story about 10,000 steps a day is very, very important. And your immunity system, your wellness, we talked about depression, all of that goes down as a result of being active. And I don't care what you're doing, but do something that you enjoy. So part of being successful with a lifestyle that works for you is to ensure that you're doing something that you can commit to, that you have structure around, but also that you enjoy. So I used to do a fair amount of running. In fact, we used to do 10K events, but I really found that I, it was just so much training. And on the weekend when I'm doing a 20K run, it just wasn't conducive to the lifestyle that I was having. So I switched over to high intensity interval workouts. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with that, high intensity uh, workouts, Dr. Tabata sort of started the protocol. There's another one with Mercola. There's many dealer out here. And here's what it is, is you work out as hard as you can in whatever it is, if it's on a treadmill, though that's a little dangerous or biking or uh, running, whatever it is for a set period of time. Then you take a short break and then you go again. So the Tabata, Tabata protocol is you go 20 seconds as hard as you can, and then you t- take a 10-second break, and then you do another 20 seconds, and you do that eight times. I'll tell you, by the time you do the eight times, if you've gone as hard as you can, you, you are spent. You are done. You are finished. But the research shows that when you do something like this, human growth, growth hormones come into play, and you're, you're burning calories even 12 hours after that, and so the responsiveness is that I can only do this two or three times a week. Uh, so there's, you don't have to do this a lot. And guess what? My workout, as far as the interval part, is done in four or five minutes as I've warmed up versus you know going jogging for two hours for my 20K run uh, because I'm doing intervals and changes and stuff like that on a Saturday. I don't, I don't have that kind of time. Now, another side that is possible and that was in the books Younger Next Year and Younger Next Year for Women, is that you could work out at 65% of your heartbeat for 45 minutes, five days a week, and then you can start there. Now, the high-intensity interval, for and by the way, don't try that unless you've been working out. It is not something that you should try <laughs> unless you have some level of fitness. And when I first started, I would only do like four you know, you do a couple of those and then you maybe do three and then four. And then I was doing five for the longest time. And then more recently back up to eight is that in the high intensity interval workouts is that you can do what they call a one-to-one. So you work out for 30 seconds and then you take 30 seconds. Um, Ricola's protocol is 30 seconds as hard as you can, 90 second kind of break and then come back at it where you just walk in and then you run as hard. So you look at you do your own research, find out about it. The other one is weights, is there's all kinds of, when we think about mobility in your posture, is that are you doing uh, strengthening um, your muscles? You know, you can even do an old style plank where you're down on your elbows 
and you're keeping your back straight and you're on your toes or on your knees to start with. And then you hold that for a minute every day, up to three minutes every day. And you're, you're building your core, strengthening your core. And so doing weights is important to be able to strengthen your uh, muscles, but also for your bone mass. And so when we think about that, my aunt actually uh, fell off the stairs, broke her leg in a million pieces. And then very soon after that was hospitalized with kidney failure and then died. That was osteoporosis because she really wasn't a person who was um, active. But the other thing that she did, which is the number one predictor of longevity, was she was a smoker. And so if any of you that are listening here, if you are a smoker, I just, uh, just encourage you that you consider that you drop this because that is the number one predictor of longevity. And the more a person smokes, the longer they're... Now, some people who smoke live to be 90, but they could have been lived to be 100 and probably even with a better lifestyle or quality of life for sure. So smoking is out. The other one is, is just be very cautious on the alcohol. I put, we put down in our assessment two ounces per week, two to four ounces per week, not per day, but two to four ounces per week as a weight that's sort of as a maximum um, amount for you. When we think about other activities, there was a study done by Harvard, and it was the longest study of tracking longevity in the history of mankind. It was over 50 years, and it was just released uh, before the recording of this podcast and before the update of the Stress Indicator and Health Planner version 5. And guess what one of the number one factors was for longevity that was having loving relationships so as a lifestyle we've actually now included that you would have close friends and also as men as much as possible loving relationships so if you are going to be a loner if you're going to be on your own you don't need a lot of them you just need a few and the reality is is that hugs have been shown to help with oxytocin and to really release positive uh, immunity within your body. And so if you're reserved and you're not out there and don't have meaningful, deep relationships, then we know that that is going to affect your stress. And so this idea of feeling lonely, even though people are online, loneliness has never been higher as a, as a research item. So get out there, put yourself out there. Waiting for people to come, you, uh, come to you isn't going to happen. Is that to have friends is to be a friend. You know, go out there and serve in a community group, and maybe you don't have deep, meaningful relationships to start with, but at least you're serving. And that's the other thing that came out as far as longevity, and that was a state of gratitude, but a state of generosity. Wow. So it was proven now by giving towards others, helping others, serving in some kind of community group, you know, maybe you're helping with the homeless, maybe you have ministry that you're part of, maybe you are handing out sweaters, maybe there's a Boy Scouts, a Girl Scouts, whatever it is, some kind of youth group, some kind of adult group, uh, it doesn't matter, you can go out and you help. So when I was younger and growing up, I still remember being part of about seven or eight different groups, you know, including being a chair of a private school, um, part of the fair committee, part of the antique committee, whatever it is, uh, just coming up, you know, by the time when this podcast comes out, I've been asked to MC uh, a banquet in town and I'm just love to do it. Even though it's my profession and I get paid to do it is that I'm able to contribute and really help being an MC for a local community event. And that can be my contribution because that I like to play to my, 
strengths and to give into that space. So what is it? Where can, where can you give? Because there's always somebody in need where you can give. And guess what? Your longevity, your health, your wellness is going to improve uh, by giving. Uh, the other one, when we think about um, lifestyle, is what are some recreation things that you enjoy doing? When I get out there and motorcycle, it's really like this release. It's this energy that's out there. So I'm not, uh, again, what it, that works for you. Maybe it's playing cards with some friends. Maybe there's some, you can go hiking with some friends. And then you can combine fitness <clears throat> with relationships. So those two combine to be able to help you out. Now, two other things before we go in today's show, and there's so much more. Now, our Stress Indicator Health Planner has 120 questions. So it's our most in-depth question or survey or assessment that we have developed. And as I mentioned, the, new, the latest re- version has just been out for a few weeks. <clears throat> With 120 questions, what we do is we help you to get clear on all the different components and areas so that you can have low-hanging fruit to be able to improve your life. So one of the next sections after lifestyle is time stress. Now, there is a misnomer where some people say, listen, you know, I'm going to go to a time management program. Well, there's no nobody here that's listening to this podcast controls time, at least not yet. There was a little uh, quantum physics thing that happened last week where the guy said that they were able to turn back time. So when that happens, then we can look at it. But before that happens is nobody here actually manages time. You only manage priorities that go into the set time that all of us have. So you are choosing to be encouraged through this podcast and educated through this podcast. So my question is, is that who created your schedule? Well, you did. Because we say yes and no. And our ability, remember we started this, our ability to say no is equally important as our ability to say yes. Are you putting time aside? Are you blocking it out? I'm coaching an individual right now in... um, he said his health really is not that good. And as a result, I said, so how do you scheduled your working out? No, it just sort of just doesn't happen. Well, nothing happens by accident. And so if you don't schedule, if you don't put it in a structure, if you don't implement it, then uh, as far as intentionality, then what's the likelihood that's going to happen? If you're feeling time stress and feeling overwhelmed, then you are responsible for that. You need to take charge of that. And so not here to beat you over the head, but starting to look at systems, processes, structure that serves you and helps you. So even how I manage my time and my calendar, same thing for you. How do you manage that? How do you put the structure in? How do you set those things up? And by the way, one of the things that you want to really pay attention, when you think about stress in occupation, time, and lifestyle, is to control the distractions. The research is showing that if you get distracted, in other words, you have your phone on your desk with the screen up while you type, and then your friend uh, does a Facebook message or a LinkedIn message or Instagram post, or whatever, and then you check it. Do you know that it's almost 15 minutes before you're back to the full concentration of whatever you were working on? And so you just need to turn that thing off. You need to get it out of your space. I know it's difficult for some people. In fact, if you lost your phone, you would freak, and, and so would I. But the reality is, is you're, the phone is managing you. It's making you unproductive. And the distractions are draining you. The distractions are hindering you. Get that phone away from your desk if you're working. And if you keep checking at everything, it's dysfunctional. So set it aside. And if you're one of the individuals checking it 200 or 300 times a day, and think about it, it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get back on focus. Well, you're never really focused then. 
because your whole day is this disruption. So start managing that uh, process, set it aside. And then if you use it as a phone, as coming in and out, set it aside, have it turned off, have the notifications of the sound turned off. And then when somebody calls in, it might be vibrating. You'll be able to answer it and away you go or set a time every, you know, every hour on the top of the hour or whatever, you're going to respond to uh, what the online is doing. Now, if you're the social media manager for a company, different story. But if that isn't your job and you have to um, have other work that you're doing, then of course, paying attention to what's going on. So that's the time management. Be aware of that. The other one is for parents. Don't overcommit your kids. Allow them sort of free space, free time, open time, so that they can uh, not feel this constant pressure. We've got to go here. We've got to go to music lessons, then we're doing sports, and then we have band, and whatever it is. And so all these things that fit in, yes, we want to keep their schedule full and active and participative, but at the same time, if it's completely full, then they have like none of their own space. And then the final round around occupational stress, we won't get into that today, but that's the whole area that I cover in my book, The Quest for Purpose. So the quest for purpose gives you an outline about having the right career in life. However, what we talk about in occupational stress, you get a certain things where you have an environment. So um, I know uh, somebody who just quit an office environment, they went from a office environment as far as closed offices to an open design. Well, all the research shows is that open office structure drains energy, makes the group less productive. However, the decision makers at this organization said otherwise and so forced everybody into an open office, close close quarters environment, making several of the people quit as a result of that. So they obviously uh, weren't paying attention to the research about uh, how open office can and can't work. Now, if you're introduced to it and you were hired into it, maybe you're more open to it. But again, the environment, do you have the right chair? Do you have the right desk? Do you have a standing desk? Do you have, when we think about, are you supported by the people you work with? So what does the environment do to you? Are you doing what you enjoy and what you love? That's the quest for purpose. Uh, Maybe you are doing some of the things you enjoy and then other things you're not. Uh, Is the role and responsibility playing to your personal style strengths? And so that's all our work around job fit and job style compatibility. And that's where the personal style indicator comes into play. And are you aware of what your style is and what your working style is and what your job role could and should be? And then expertise. So all of these things fit together to frame out what's most important to you, but also to have a successful work environment. You have to take responsibility of that. You have to set up a structure or process or system and make some some decisions and say, you know what, maybe I need to talk uh, to the team and say, you know, I can do this, but these other things here is really not the best use of my strengths. Now, we could go on for a couple more hours on how much content that we have in the Stress Indicator and Health Planner. And it's actually you know, over 24 pages online. So you just have, you know, a page for the different questions. But on top of that, all the research, source materials, websites, we include that in the new assessment, the Stress Indicator and Health Planner. And then eventually we'll have an e-course. I don't know when you're listening to this, but an e-course or a program or experience where we'll take you through sort of line by line of all these different items to encourage you so that you can increase your health. So my my encouragement is, is that your stress levels and your wellness levels are your responsibility. And our environment in many ways is toxic. And so you have to mitigate that, making sure that you're not pouring gasoline onto your shirt 
is you fill up your car with gas and then have those fumes go into your system or you have other toxins that are around the system uh, in your house and cleaners that if you have young ones that would be disruptive to them. So you want to manage all of those things as much as possible that you are taking in nutritional, organic, live food as much as possible, raw if that's possible, but at least live food, uh, the least amount of processed food that you are moving, that you're being active. I mean, this is all common sense, that you are responsible for your relationships, for your time management, and how and you frame out your sort of occupational experience. So we, I appreciate you for listening today around this, you know, around trying to manage and optimize your health and wellness to the highest level possible. So if you are interested, do go and find out more at crgleader.com on the Stress Indicator and Health Planner version 5. And so we continue to update that and with myself, Dr. Keyes, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Faulkner are all contributing authors to the creation of that latest tool. And we do, if you're interested to look at the sample report, we can get that for you. So do us all a favor, and myself a favor especially, is take a moment and think about what is it you want to improve Where do you want to reduce stress and increase wellness? What would it mean to you if you achieved that? What would it mean to you if you actually lost that weight? What would it mean to you if you actually got your energy back and got your clarity back and brain fog went away? What would it mean to you if you have this vibrancy and this motion and you actually could get around even though you're you're limping now or just your mobility is, is hindered because of your wellness level? What would that mean to you? You know, we want you to have your best life, to live and work and, you know, live, work, lead, live and work on purpose, pardon me. And you can't do that unless you're healthy and vibrant and and wisdom comes from that. And so I just want to encourage you for doing it and taking responsibility for your space. Thank you for listening, spending your most valuable commodity, your time. Please share, pass it on, let other people know about what we're doing. If you enjoy what we're doing here, leave some comments, send some uh, questions. If you want to learn more about some of the research and that that we're we're doing with this new tool, uh, then uh, please reach out to us. And thank you again for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.